Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. Auto advice with Dan Griffin. <laughs> and I don't know shit about cars. <laughs> for this Wall Street on Parade article. That's right. We're live now, Corey. I forgot to bring up the intro music, but that's okay. We'll fix it in post. Uh, we're here live <laughs> on Libservative. He's Corey Walsh. And he is Dan Griffin. And today is January 11th, 2022. And we got a lot of we got we have a lot to catch up on Corey because the last two weeks, both the end of your show and the beginning of your show, it was all about positivity. We're throwing all that shit out the window. And I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start by letting you know that it is. I think I I just checked the uh, the excuse me. It's the uh, the alcohol. Uh, I just <laughs> I just I just checked the thermostat outside, and we are still at Laura Ingram's vagina cold outside here in Metro Detroit. So is that in, in uh, Celsius or Fahrenheit? <laughs> I think I asked that last time. Actually, it's Fahrenheit. It's like eleven degrees Fahrenheit outside. So what would that be in Celsius? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm American. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And Laura Ingram's vagina is in good shape here in Metro Detroit. So we're we're all we're all set and ready to go. What are you drinking tonight, Corey? Oh wait, you're totaling tea. Yeah, I'm <laughs> drinking. Uh, well, actually, I'm out of the tea now. <laughs> Well, didn't you get yeah, a I'm, just, I'm just drinking tea, still in my dry January. So we only have what? Two or three more episodes left of that nonsense? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You could have at least pretended. You could have put like some water in like a rocks glass and like put a little food coloring in it to make it look like you were drinking bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> just apple juice on ice. Or you could have just used tea. Just Tea kind of looks like whiskey if you brew it right, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm an idiot. I don't know. My wife made it for me. She's like, I'm going to add milk and sugar. It's what old people do. And I was like, I'm not old. <laughs> prove it. I don't know how to prove it. I See, I can't I can't have any fun with you with, with delicious bourbon, so I just made myself a snobby-ass dirty martini again. I got some high noon seltzer sitting here next to me, and I'm already half in the bag, so here we go on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Libservative. Uh, Corey, where would you like to start tonight's show? I'm assuming you would like to start with the news blackout on these bank repo loans from uh, eight quarters ago? Yeah, I'm trying to find the article. Were we not ready? Do you want me to send it to you? I, I have it right here. You want me to throw it in the... Yes, actually. Do you want me to throw yeah, it? Yeah, throw it up. <laughs> throw that up. You throw know, I, I was looking for it, and then all of a sudden, you're like, we're live! And I was like, oh shit, we're live! I, I, I put it in the chat for you, so you can go ahead and give it a good click. Because <laughs> I think you know you Perfect. know exactly what you're looking for. I only read through a little bit of this. I know the basics of this. Yeah. I, I, guess we, I guess I'll set it up for you while you pull it up. Uh, I it, got it. Okay, go ahead. But yeah, so there's a news blackout this is from Wall Street on Parade, and it's basically this girl Pam Martins and this other and his her husband, I think Russ Martins, and they basically they just keep a watch on Wall Street and see where the money's going and like monetary policy and fiscal policy and all that fun stuff. And there's something that happened in September of 2019 that nobody is talking about, and it's not understand, and no one really understands why. Um, so. 
In the last quarter of 2019, the Federal Reserve released the names of banks that had received $4.5 trillion in cumulative loans in the last quarter. And under it was under its emergency repo loan operations. Now, what a, what a repo loan is, basically, is the government buys things like stocks and bonds and things like that with the with uh, from companies and with the intention of selling it back, I believe. I had the actual term for it up, but then I reset my computer because, you know, that's what I do. It's a repurchase agreement. It's I'll a form it. of a short-term borrow- borrowing for dealers and government securities. And like, so basically they buy it from the, uh, a dealer sells government securities to investors, usually on an oversight overnight basis and buys them back the following day at a slightly higher price. And so the government was doing these repo loans, uh, just out, just propping up the stock market like absolutely insane. Would you like in me like to give you the definition according to Investopia? Yes. So a repurchase agreement or repo is a form of short-term borrowing for dealers in government securities. In the case of repo, a dealer sells government securities to investors, usually on an overnight basis, and buys them back the following day at a slightly higher price. That small difference in price is the implicit overnight interest rate. Repos are typically used to raise short-term capital. Uh, They are also a common tool of central bank and open market operations. Yeah, so that's basically the government's buying stuff from these people. And then, or they're, they're selling to the government loans. I, I'm sorry, I got it way, way backwards. <laughs> we'll so figure that, we'll figure this out. We're not, we're not, yeah, uh, we're so, not economists here, right? I'm not an economist in this economy. <laughs> uh, um, so the government, the dealer sells government securities. So the government is buying loans, and then they're buying them back the following day at a slightly higher price. So what this is basically doing is just keeps pumping the stock market up, and it's like a feedback loop over and over and over again. So this amounted to $4.5 trillion in the last quarter of 2019. Now, this is right before COVID. And I'm and there was, there was different news articles that were talking about this, but at the time, they didn't know who the banks were that were getting this money. And here's the kicker, Dan. This is why it pisses me off, and I thought it was worth talking about. So $4.5 trillion was giving to borrowers like JP Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, and Citigroup. Now, these are the same banks that needed bailouts in 2009 because of the housing crisis. Mm -hmm. And it's looking like we bailed them out again. Now, the Fed is calling it a liquidity crisis, but... The fact that there's only a couple banks and it's like a liquidity crisis is like when all the banks, all of a sudden they don't have liquid, you know, liquid assets. They only gave this money to a small amount of banks. So there wasn't a liquidity crisis. They're just throwing money at these banks for God knows what, you know, I mean, when you look up the banks and like who owns the stock in the feds, these three banks own the most of like the fed itself. So here's the way I see it as, as an, as an idiot is the intellectual idiot that I, I like to refer to myself as. So Dodd-Frank was a law that was put in in 2010 to basically try and prevent what happened in 2008 and 2009 from ever happening again, right? I mean, that's that's 
in, yes. in a nutshell, that's what the Dodd-Frank law is. But here's what's silly about it. Under Dodd-Frank, you don't have to report these said repo loans and, and various other transactions with the Fed for eight fucking quarters after they happen. Corey, that's two years. Yep. Yeah, after you know, after the dust is settled, what no sense does that make? Because they're going to be like, "Oh, well, it was a year ago." It's yeah, it's 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 a freaking mess. Man. And the bigger, I don't understand the bigger question is, and the thing that's more concerning, and the and, and the thing that, that that doesn't make sense that like okay, so I don't necessarily expect like CNN or Fox News or MSNBC to cover something like this because it's not sexy and it's kind of boring and nobody really cares, although they should. But I do expect, you know, publications that are focused on the markets to cover something like this. And Corey, it's radio silence. It's radio silence from every publication out there. And so the, the thing that is scarier is why did these major financial institutions need these loans? Why did they need them? If, if it's as you said, the Fed claimed it was a, it was a liquidity crisis, which it, he, yeah, but like if it was, they'd be giving it to a lot of banks. But there was only like a couple of banks. I think there was a total of like twenty some banks, twenty four trading houses on Wall Street. And a lot of them were subsidies, like so, subsidiaries. So I um, guess I guess you could say that it's a it was a liquidity crisis for these major these major banks. Yeah. But why deal in uh, like basically gambling on the market and they lost? I mean, that's that's our speculation. And that's you're probably right when you say that. But the fact that like we can't actually point to something and know why these financial institutions needed these loans. That is so fucking terrifying because that's the thing that bothers me the most, too, is the fact that we don't know exactly why. They're not giving a legitimate reason. And they won't because they, they don't have give to. the names out for two years. And this happened right before COVID. And now I'm not putting a tinfoil hat on saying right, that right, they right. knew something was coming and things like that. But they sure as shit used COVID as a guise to go, oh, man, the stock market. We need to be bailed out again. Oh, and stupid virus. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. it's Oh, it's, geez. It's as Corey Walsh and likes then, to say. <laughs> oh geez oh man <laughs> and uh so right here like in this article that we're sharing that we're talking about on wall street on parade the title of the article is there's a new b- news blackout on the feds naming of the banks that got its emergency repo loans some journalists appear to be under gag orders now the reason why uh oh yeah that's uh, interesting i'd Pam forgotten about this, that yeah is now i'm going to read this from the article she goes could this critically important story have simply slipped by all of the dozens of investigative reporters and Fed watchers at these news outlets? Because she's talking about in the article how all the news outlets talked about this $4.5 trillion two years ago. Mm-hmm. But now that we got the names of it, you would think that those names would be just plastered all over the media. But it's not. No one's heard about this. And it's, could this critically important story have simply slipped by all of the dozens of investigative reporters and Fed watchers at these news outlets? Absolutely not. The Fed was required to release its repo loan data and names of the banks for the span of September 17th through September 30th, 2019, at the end of the third quarter of this year. We report, and this was on December 29th when this article was written. It was updated January 3rd. Mm -hmm. Um, But she said, 
We reported on what that information revealed on October 13th because we were similarly stunned by the news blackout on the Fed's release. Out of courtesy, we sent our story to the reporters covering the Fed for the major news outlets, and our article alerted each of these reporters that much of the larger data released from the Fed for the full fourth quarter of 2019 would be released on or about December 31st. That data was posted posted at the New York Fed sometime before 1.23 p.m. last Friday. The most puzzling part of this news blackout is that the majority of the reporters who covered the Fed story at the time it was happening in 2019 are still employed at the same news outlets. We emailed a number of them and asked why they were not covering this important story. Silence prevailed. We then emailed the media relations contacts for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Financial Times, and the Washington Post, inquiring as to why there was a news blackout in the story. Again, silence. Next, we emailed a number of reporters who had covered the story in 2019, but were no longer employed at a major news outlet. We asked their opinion on what could explain this bizarre news blackout on such a major financial story. We received emails phrasing our reporting, but advising that they can't comment. The phrase can't comment as opposed to don't wish to comment raised a major alarm bell. Wall Street mega banks are notorious for demanding that their staff sign non-disclosure agreements and non-disparaging agreements in order to get severance pay and other benefits when they are terminated. Are the newsrooms covering Wall Street megabanks now demanding similar gag orders from journalists? If they are, we're looking at a form of corporate tyranny previously unseen in America. I don't understand why there is nothing talking about this. $4.5 trillion. So that's $4.5 trillion in 2019. And then all the trillions of dollars in the year of 2020 during the COVID relief time. So we're talking like $10 trillion just given to these banks, essentially, because one of the reasons why we see inflation is a lot of people, when they got this extra money, they didn't spend it. There was nowhere to spend it. So they went home and they just paid off their debts. So this money all went right back to the banks. So we're talking, like I said, $10 trillion just pumped into the economy in forms of, in this, in half of it was not even passed by legislators. It was just given in secrecy by the Fed. And now they're not saying why the money was actually given. The news ain't reporting that it was Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, and Citibank. The same three banks that we bailed out in 2008. Yeah, you're not, you're not hearing anything about it. And, and, and as far as the, uh, the former reporters that are mentioned in this article, the, the the word can't really is huge there. The, the word right. I, I the words I cannot I can't comment are huge there. It it does lead you to believe there's some sort of gag order on them, and 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 the question yeah. is why. And we're not talking about just randos. We're talking about journalists who yeah. will deal with words for a living. And we're so talking know which words they're using. And we're talking about journalists that have covered the markets for decades. Mm-hmm. We're talking about journalists that reported on the 2008 and 2009 financial crisis. Yeah. So all all I can think is like, so say, Corey, let's say you decided to give me your money to invest. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the bank or the financial advisor, right? You say, Dan, I trust you. Here's all of my money. Dan, I trust you. Here's all of my money. Okay. That's not much, is it? <laughs> I And I take all of that money and I go to the ATM and I take it and I play in one hand a blackjack on the blackjack table. And maybe I win. If I win, oh, hey, Corey, here you go. I just doubled your money in overnight. Great, isn't that a great job I just did? Or maybe I lose. And, and I, it's gone. I lose all your money and I lose all my money. But 
I have the Fed that can just write me another check to start yeah, all big, over again. Now you, you have a daddy Warbucks that just gives you your money back, but now, I'm fucked. Yeah, now you, Joe Schmo, you you you're fucked. You lost everything you had. But I'm I'm good as the uh, as the as the financial advisor or or the the city group or the the the, the JP Morgans of the world. So yeah, there's absolutely no reason for big banks like Chase and Citigroup and, and Goldman Sachs and others not to make these risky moves because that's that's we don't know what they are, but clearly they're out there making risky risky moves if they need to take out all these repo loans in 2019, knowing under Dodd Frank that they don't have to report those things until two years later. They can go ahead and make that risky move and clean up the mess in between those two years in which they have to they have to actually report it. So if 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 I can just go gamble a million dollars away without having to worry about it, knowing that there's just, a like you said, a daddy Warbucks out there who's just going to give me another million to go out there and do it again. Guess what? I'm going to make some pretty risky bets. Yep. And it's pretty much quantitative easing. You know what I mean? They're just buying assets and things like that to uh, shore up the market. And it's just like, we, like, I can't pretend to get super technical and do all of that. But the question is, why can't I even find articles explaining it as to what's going on? And that's kind of where I'm at. And it's like, why aren't we getting answers for this? The why, the responses the why, can't comment. Yeah, the why is huge. And when you don't have big name publications out there willing to go out and do the digging, because for, for some reason it appears... It appears they've all been gagged. That's that's a problem, and that's and it's fucking terrifying. Because I mean, we've been talking. You know, anybody who's at least a little bit economically illiterate, and I don't claim to be an economist. I don't claim to be incredibly economically illiterate, or I'm sorry, literate or illiterate for that matter. Uh, we've been talking about the next collapse forever. I mean, people have mentioned right. you, people have mentioned the student loan bubble. Um, you know, people have mentioned you know the, the another another mortgage bubble with the artificially low interest rates that have, that have now come back up a little bit. Perhaps another housing crisis. We don't necessarily know exactly what's the first domino is going to be to fall, but it is coming. And with stuff like this, it sort of looks like um, we don't know on purpose. Somebody doesn't want us right. to know. Right. And it's not like the, the government's doing this all the time either. This is the first time that the, something that this has, hap- has happened since the 2008 financial crash. So it's like, wh- what is going on? And, and the, the sad part about it is like everybody expects economic recession, right? It just happens naturally, you know, when, when you're dealing with a free market. But when you're, when you're talking about utter collapse, and a recession that is, you know, whatever you want to call it, 10, 20, 100 fold worse than it should have been because of irresponsible financial institutions that don't have to worry about it. Because guess what? Daddy Warbucks is just going to print more cash and give it back to you. Yeah, that is where just, I have an issue. Yeah, the banks can just meddle them however they want when they have no risk. They can just fuck off and do whatever they want because the government's going to bail them out. I mean, Barack Obama said it himself. I mean, it, at least ru- it was rumored to have said it himself. Uh, it, the banks are the the banks are the ones that you know got me elected, not the voters. Nobody cares about the voters. So, like when 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 the government is in the bank is in the is in bed with the banks because. 
the banks get people elected. The banks donate the money. The the uh, Wall Street donates the money. Whether it's rumored or not, his actions spoke louder than words. And then while millions of Americans lost their homes, he was giving all this money to the big banks. And that's not just me saying it. That's all those people who are out there protesting on Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. 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 You, you can't mean... You remember the photos? Do you remember the photos of the people from the banks drinking champagne on the balcony looking down at all the people protesting? Have you ever seen those photos? Yeah, I have seen those photos, and it's amazing how quickly that went away, right? And yeah, why, it's, an, it's... And why did that go away? Because they wanted it to go away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was looking to see... Oh, yeah, see here. So here's a... All you got to do is class bait and race bait enough, throw enough tweets out there, get Donald Trump elected, and all of a sudden everybody fucking forgets. Right? Yeah, that's all you got to do. Yeah, because <laughs> Trump bad. Trump, orange man bad. Orange man bad. Here, yeah, actually, I'll share. I just Googled it really you fast. share one of those photos? Yeah, just to, just to piss you off, Dan. Just to make you angry. Let Careful. me show you this real quick. Careful, I've had a little bit of, of alcohol this evening, so I don't want to. So here they are over here. This is them taking photos and laughing at the people that were below them. There they are up there. And this is just, just a simple, drinking, simple Google search. Just drinking champagne <laughs> and taking photos of all the people below them. Look at all. Look those, at these. Look at all those boomers. Look, yeah, look at all these fucking peasants below us bitching about their houses. <laughs> How dare they want a place to live? Sons of bitches. God, it's just disgusting, man. It's gross. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because that's really all you can do sometimes. So, look, we don't know what the hell is going to happen next, but the silence is deafening. Is it not yeah. on this? Science is, yeah, the silence is compliance. So, we're looking at January 11th, 2022. We're talking about this for the first time, and we're not the only ones. There are other independent publications that are out there talking about this, other independent podcasts, other independent media. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like we're all high and mighty and better than, than a lot of them. In fact, in most cases, we're actually a lot worse. <laughs> However, the silence from the people that actually have a, a giant, giant voice that for some reason people still trust, you're, you're not hearing anything from them. Yeah. On this entire on this entire thing. So Yeah, yeah, we're stay tuned. Biden. Where's where's everyone talking about this who are all the populists being for the working man? Is it one person coming out about this? They're like, too, that's what's insane to me. They're too busy arguing about whether or not Marjorie Taylor Greene should be banned from Twitter. Right. That's and where they it are. just it kills me because like this isn't some tinfoil hack conspiracy type thing. Like all of the news outlets were talking about this in two thousand nine or two thousand nineteen. Like, if you look up Repo Loans 2019, CNN's talking about it, MSNBC, Money Matters, like, all the different outlets were talking about it. But then once they released the names of the ones who they were giving the money to, it zip. By the way, for those who still think Donald Trump is the savior, he was president, and the election had not taken place when these loans were given out. Just throwing that out there. You're not wrong. It was actually one of my kind of talking points when I used to talk trash about Trump when everyone because that's why I remember this because people are like, "Oh, yeah, Trump, the economy is great," and I was like, "Well, you know, like, sure, it's it's artificially great, 
the there's trillions of dollars in repo loans get be given to prop up the stock market. Yeah, stock market's on fire, but you know, oh, and everybody had jobs, right? Unemployment was so low, but what nobody ever talked about during that time period was the fact that, you know, how many of those people were working two jobs? You know, at a at a at a at a wage that is completely unreasonable just to keep the lights on. Yep. And you and, know what's funny now too is like uh Biden is trying to tout the same type of uh little story, little mantra. Like, you know, he keeps saying the same thing. Like, oh What's the unemployment rate? And it's like, yeah, Biden, guess what? Workforce <laughs> participation rates the lowest it has ever ever been. Well, not to mention you can't claim that you lowered unemployment rates. <laughs> When what everybody was like laid recover? off during COVID, just because they went back to work doesn't mean that you... Yeah, they're doing this weird... Uh, what they do? They're doing that weird measurement. They were saying that he's added more jobs oh, on average over every month compared to any other president in the world. And they're only <laughs> measuring his 11 months compared to like people like Trump, who's had eight years. And it's after it's in a crazy time like COVID when like things are just opening up and people are just getting their jobs back and they're like, new jobs created. No, those aren't new jobs. Those aren't new jobs. Those might have been people changing jobs and switching companies or whatever, going to do something different. But hey, man, yeah. we, we, we've 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 been up on the uh, uh, the, the, the the workers revolution and we're, we're going to keep up on it here because Corey and I openly on this show have no problem telling you we fucking support it oh yeah it's the the year of the worker man. go get what you deserve don't let the boomers don't let the boomers out there tell you you're lazy here's you know what you know what it is? i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on the show before but i'm i'm half in the bag so i'll talk about it right now on a little tangent <laughs> do you do you know what my biggest issue with boomers actually is i got handed a great economy and then they just stifled it that's my biggest issue. So you got that part right. But I think the biggest disagreement with myself as an older millennial, right? I'm well, I'm not I'm like in the middle. I'm 33 years old. Our generation, what I love about our generation is the fact that I think we are the first generation maybe since the Carnegie days, maybe since unions were created that actually understands their self goddamn worth because when you listen to your parents and you listen to your grandparents and talk about well i just got up and i busted my ass and i went to work every day and i was miserable the entire time and i worked until i was 65 and that's just what they're supposed to do as an american we're the first generation to say fuck that we're the first generation to go no, I can I can work and I have no problem putting in the work, but I know what I'm worth and it's okay for me to get be rested and be happy and 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 be healthy and extend my my life span at the same time. I'm not just going to go to a job every day, bust my ass for whatever money they're willing to pay me and have that be a serviceable life. I'm not going to do that. I don't. I think Corey. I think you're the guy that's. I don't think you'd do that. We're the first generation that's gone. Hey, this is how it is. Fuck you. Yeah, no, it does. It cracks me up that uh, our generation is like, hey, why don't you just uh, pay us a living wage? And everyone's like, oh, you're entitled. You're entitled, and it's like, okay, just because uh, you weren't smart enough to ask for it, asshole, doesn't make me entitled. 
<laughs> yeah, right. It's uh yeah, it's it's mind-boggling to me that they're okay with these piss poor wages where these companies are subsidized by our government. It goes back to our little ticker that says the government loves socialism when it's for the rich, essentially. And they subsidize companies like Walmart and things like that. To the like, and what I mean by subsidize when it comes to the workers is Walmart can afford to pay these people seven, eight, nine dollars an hour at twenty hours a week because what this billion dollar profit company isn't doing and not paying them this fair wage, the government comes in and picks up the tab <laughs> and gives them their Medicaid and gives them their, you know, like the housing assistance and gives them EBT cards. When it's like when people try to tell me like, oh, they don't deserve more money. It's like, okay, fine. Then you're you're paying for all their extra shit with your taxes when this company could pay for it. No fucking problem at all. I'm not even talking about handouts. I'm, you know, it's a it's a Bernie quote. Anybody working 40 hours a week shouldn't have to rely on the government for anything. And yeah. That's absolutely true. And I think that's why our generation appreciated Bernie so much. I just I wish he wasn't such a cuck. Yeah, he went a little woke in the second, and I don't think that's why he did so good. He no, felt the identity he, politics. He, he always kowtows, and he, he, you know, he cucks out to the to the Democratic establishment, and it's just it's a shame. It's a shame that he does that. It's a shame that that the whole squad yeah, does old. that. I get it. Yeah, he, he's probably not old. He's probably running out of gas, but man, you know. But 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 what does everybody want to talk about? What does everybody want to talk about when it comes to AOC? She went down to Florida and had a party and didn't wear a mask. What a that hypocrite. Bitch. What a hypocrite. Like, you want to talk about something that doesn't actually matter in anybody's day-to-day life? Oh, Get dude, the, the hell out of fights, here. The Twitter fights <laughs> back and ridiculous. forth between politicians. But it's funny because, like, I remember saying that to a, a friend of mine. I was I was like, yeah, I'm like, they're all just trying to be popular now. We're getting the likes and stuff like that. But then he put it in perspective, and he's right, actually. This has always been a part of <laughs> American governments, unfortunately. Uh, all the way back to the 1700s, what was it, Jefferson and, Mad- and Hamilton? They were writing nasty, nasty letters about each other but in the, the newspapers. Is, the thing that was different was it took like eight days for anybody to get that. Now anybody can get it in in four seconds. And respond at the same time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got a yeah, great memory, a- this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they did. And when you read some of them, the way they were talking, just mad shit about each other. It's no wonder why they were dueling back then. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do, bring back duels. Then Abe Lincoln kind of saved everybody and... Now here we are again. <laughs> like that's that's American history right there. We just we just gave it to you in, in thirty tweet. seconds in a tweet. <laughs> that would be American history in two hundred forty characters. Oh, man, or less. we should do that. We got to do American history in a tweet. A bunch of people told the British to get fucked, and now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> then Abe Lincoln came, saved us all, and now here we are. <laughs> Some young kids who didn't like authority told them to get fucked. A couple of things happened, and then here we are. <laughs> <laughs> you are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working. <laughs> what is that in Seinfeld? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then yada, 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 and then... Shall we move on to... Uh, let's, let's, let's do red pill, blue pill. Okay. Let's do red pill, blue pill. Uh, so our red pill, blue pill for this week, which pill are you going to swallow? 
is Kamala Harris's comments on January 6th. So the Vice President of the United States, actually, I gotta, I'm going to pull the whole, the whole thing up here. I, I, I want to give just the one paragraph that everybody's talking about in a, a huge goddamn speech. So Kamala Harris says, Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place in our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. This is the paragraph of this long, speech that everybody's talking about. So the red pill here, she disrespected those who died on 9-11 and 12-7-41 by comparing January 6th to those days in which thousands of American lives were lost as compared to the blue pill, which is She's so wonderful and brave to speak the truth about what happened on January 6th. <laughs> Is that how you're going to box me in this corner like that? That's how you're going to frame this? Oh, man. I mean, is that not what, what, what the libs it's are saying? pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, the left is saying it's one of the worst days in American history. Like, never mind the Civil War, never mind 9-11. They're comparing it to 9-11 and to something fucking Pearl Harbor. Never mind our internment camps. Never mind the Great Depression. Never mind the Great Recession. Never mind the Dust Bowl. Never mind like tragedies from hurricanes. January 6th, a date that will live in infamy. <laughs> where these coup, this coup attempt by these people who try to overthrow the government, a government that has a 600 or 700 now because of Biden, $700 billion defense budget. Because of Biden. I like how you threw that in there. (laughs) Who knew it could be circumvented by squatters rights, Dan? (laughs) I didn't know that if I just step foot in the Capitol, it's mine now. Look, 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 look. Corey jokes, and I think it's funny. Look, January 6th was fucking bullshit. It was a bunch of idiots. It was was a a bunch of fucking idiots. Bunch of idiots that thought the election was stolen. And again, you want to talk about why Trump was a terrible president? Like, dude, January 6th doesn't happen if Trump's never president. Like, let's be honest about that. Yeah, it culminated because of Trump. He definitely stoked that fire. Does that mean that Um, somehow Hillary Clinton would have been a great president? No, that's not what that means. But what I am saying is that January 6th doesn't happen without Donald Trump being president. It just doesn't. Really, let's think about it. If If your president, the president that you support, is telling you, that this deep state government is taking away everything from you. Now, that's the president of the United States, someone who's supposed to be one of the most like credible people in the world. If you really believe him, how else are you going to react? And that's um, why I'm putting Stop him. believing him? I don't know. That's kind of why I'm putting it on him. You know, the president of the United States has a responsibility, and he definitely floundered on his responsibility that day. Um, but... All of these idiots, based on lies propagated by their president, our president, the president, uh, they believed him, and they stormed the Capitol. Now, 
they're a bunch of fucking idiots. I remember watching that. And I remember just being pissed off because I was like, damn it, you're wasting a good ass raid because you know we're never going to be able to do that shit again. The way they're <laughs> talking about it, it was an insurrection. It was a coup. Um, and these dumbasses, for some reason, thought that they could come in and then what, write a better constitution than the founding fathers. Like, what was their plan? <laughs> Like, was that it? Like, that? well, this is ours now. And you could tell they didn't know what the fuck they were supposed to do while they were in there. So they just started shitting in the hallways and trying to steal podiums. I um, declare <laughs> that we will bring back government cheese and everyone <laughs> gets free marijuana for life. That's that's the constitution I feel like the shaman would have written. Right. <laughs> free cheese and free marijuana. <laughs> that's some vermin supreme shit right there with free pony for everyone. <laughs> But yeah, but like, but it wasn't a coup attempt. It wasn't an insurrection. There's videos of Democrats doing, or not, I don't want to call them Democrats, like people from the left doing the same thing in, in county and city capitals of going in, you know, and doing and occupying and stuff like that. Granted, they weren't shitting on the ground don't you, or stealing podiums. Don't you love but, how each side like tries to pretend that they're not the same thing? They are. They're both the same thing. And I actually kind of wanted to get into that next. We could talk about mass formation psychosis. But let's red red pill, <laughs> blue pill. Me, if you want, yeah, I, let I, me I, let me stick with this. Um, uh, yeah, that's what I was talking about. And all right, go ahead. All of these idiots stormed the Capitol and pulled all this shit. But it's obviously, according to Joe Biden's Department of Justice, it's not really an insurrection and it's not really a coup because of the seven hundred people arrested are being charged with the same petty crimes of misde and misdemeanors and, and things like that, of trespassing, of uh, what vandalism, uh, obstructing government, uh, obstructing government like proceedings, proceedings. Yeah, I think that was one of them. And so they're all being charged with basically the same crimes that all the people, the thousands of people that were arrested during the BLM movements when those riots came out. Not the protests, but like the riots. There were riots, mm -hmm. and all those people that were arrested for that were arrested for the same thing: vandalism, trespassing, unlawful. What is it called? An unlawful protest, an unlawful gathering. They're getting all charged with the same type of shit. Now, our own government isn't considering it an insurrection. Now, of course, they're on TV trying to play it up, and ha Kamala Harris is comparing it to the deaths of thousands of people. When the people that really died were the Trump protesters, like some of them had heart attacks. <laughs> I think one overdosed on, on a drug or something like that. Because there and, were a lot of boomers there. Yeah, there o was. Opioids and heart attacks were what causes the deaths on January 6th. And the, the only reason I can think that they're even saying this shit is because that's all the Democrats have to run on. That's all they have. Do you remember January 6th? The great day of the coup. But our government, who is calling it that, when we're in charge, we're not charging them with any sort of coup attempt. They're getting charged <laughs> with vandalism. And it's like, give me a fucking break. So with that being said, because which the pill are that, you swallowing, Corey? Because of the way that the left is just blowing this out of proportion and delegitimizing the deaths of thousands of people and actually trying to like, you're not raising this up. You're not raising the bar of this event by comparing it to these other ones, you're lowering the bar of those. And because of that, because obviously our own department of justice is saying that it's not a coup attempt. I'm going with the red pill on this. They're a bunch Ooh. of fucking idiots. It was stupid. 
they ruined a good chance at us ever having a chance at actually going in there and kicking in doors over real shit. Like banks getting paid $4.5 trillion in repo loans or our constant debauchery of foreign influence and foreign policy. No, they did it over a lie and they ruined it for the rest of us. But I'm going to go with the red pill on this one. Corey, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm in disagreement. I am going to swallow the blue pill here. Ooh, okay. And 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 here's why. Look, when I look at this speech, I read the whole thing. And outside of that one little thing that she said, comparing January 6th to 9-11 or December 7th, 1941, I would say that she didn't say anything ridiculous. Super ridiculous. There was some hyperbole and some over-exaggerations, of course, throughout the rest of that speech. But the other reason is because on on the surface, what she's saying is not inaccurate because we are all going to remember where we were, what we were doing on January 6, 2021. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I might... I thought like more or less the basis of the argument was was it a coup attempt or not. So I think that's why I was going with like the red pill. But her yeah, her whole speech doesn't necessarily suggest that. Focus Look, on that. I think it's super gross that she compared January sixth to those two dates. I do. I I, I I actually think that's super gross. But on the surface, what she said was true. I don't think that makes her like super brave or whatever it is, whatever, whatever, whatever the leftists are trying to say. But I, I also think it's like because I agree with you in that the Democrats are just they're going to use nothing but January 6th to try to get elected in the that's next, their whole platform in, in the next on. two election cycles. I'm 100 percent in agreement with you on that. But I also think the, the that the right is going to try and use the reaction of January 6th to be like, look, these people are fucking crazy in order to get themselves elected or reelected. When in reality, nobody gives a fuck about January 6th. Like, yeah, not really. Can I just make a living wage and like live in a house and have food that's affordable and, and a good economy? Like that's what the American public cares about. That's the populist. That's the whole populist thing. Right, but that's are not gonna, what that's yeah. not what the debates or the elections are going to be based on. No, nope, it's all going. It's just going to be another identity politic shit show. Wokeism. It's going to be it's going to be January sixth versus wokeism. That is going to be the next two election cycles. cycles. January sixth and Trump versus wokeism and socialism. Great, perfect. <laughs> Live Saturday night, the massive showdown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going with I, I only swallowed the blue pill here because I think what she said is on the surface true. Everybody's going to remember based on that one paragraph. Everybody's going to remember where they were on January sixth. The grossness of comparing it to Pearl Harbor and nine eleven. Total agreement. That's really gross. But on the surface, she's she's right. What she said was right. <laughs> right. I mean, it, everybody's going to remember where they were. Yeah, I was at work. <laughs> I came home and watched it on the TV. Because it, it was because it was fucking wild. I think more or less on the old than boob like tube. It being a coup. 
Like, I remember where I was when there was different protests and different riots happening and stuff like that and catching it on the tube and what was going on and who was with me watching it and stuff like that. It's definitely a bookmark in the history, but it isn't no fucking coup. And that's not just me saying it. That's our fucking government who's not charging them with any sort of coup stuff. Kazakhstan, Uh, Corey. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. That's where Borat's from. I don't know why I didn't put that on the... I don't know why it's not going on the ticker. Maybe you can figure that out. Yeah, I got it. Yep, I got it right (laughs) now. No idea why it won't let me do it. Uh, So, yeah, Borat. Everybody everybody thinks Kazakhstan. They think Borat. This is something that I've been taking a deep dive into over the last couple days. Corey and I talked about it a little bit last night during our, our show prep meeting. So, civil unrest in Kazakhstan that was originally started due to a hike in gas prices in the region. At least that's the way it's being reported. Um, And it's believed by the Kazakh president, Takayev, that this civil unrest that took place last week and and was pretty bad. I mean, a couple thousand people died. Like it wasn't, it was, it was pretty nasty. Oh, really? That many? Yeah. How many were killed by the government? Yeah. I don't know if it's died or injured, but it was, it was not good. And, um, Putin sent in some forces to help quell the unrest at the request of the Kazakh government. Uh, Putin's claim is that some of the quote unquote demonstrators, seemed to have some sort of formal training of some kind, which, you know, pushes the narrative of it being a coup. Take Uh, what he says with a grain of salt, just like we do our government. Of course. Yeah. But I've I've been digging into Kazakhstan as a whole, and this one is really, really interesting because I don't think it's necessarily as simple as Ukraine, it's not as simple as some of the things that happen in Central America and South America because Kazakhstan is actually the top uh, economy in Central Asia. You know, so that includes Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, uh, Turkmenistan, all the all, all the other all the other all the other stands there in the region. Um, Kazakhstan's the number the number one economy, and 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 the reason for that is oil, of course. Um, Kazakhstan holds 3% of the world's oil reserves. Now, consider how big how big the planet is, that's a pretty significant number. I mean, you know, 3 out of 100 gallons of gasoline would come from Kazakhstan by those metrics. So, I want to talk about the US ties to Kazakhstan. Now, you're going to have to follow me here. This is going to get okay. a little it's going to get a little boring. If you're watching and you don't like it, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, the U.S. Was, was the first to recognize Kazakhstan as an independent nation 30 years ago. Uh, Kazakhstan is a signee of the Treaty of Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons, giving up all of their Soviet-era, Soviet-era warheads. Uh, they have engaged in multiple counterterrorism cooperation schemes with the United States. And they are geopolitically important um, in that they share a border with China, Russia, and they are very, very close to Afghanistan. Okay, which brings us to oil. As I said, about three percent of the world's oil reserves are in Kazakhstan, and where there is oil, Corey, there, there is, is big, there is big oil. Yep. Uh, 
with Chevron and ExxonMobil having billions of dollars in energy investment in Kazakhstan. Now, couple that with the fact that they share a border with both China and Russia. You could see why, geopolitically, the United States might have a decent amount of interest in this country. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to now the Chinese ties to Kazakhstan. So Kazakhstan and China have been trading basically exclusively in oil since 1997. Kazakh oil would be shipped to China for processing and then sold back to Kazakhstan in the form of gasoline and petrochemical products. So Kazakhstan, for a long time, did not have the ability to refine their own oil, so they would essentially sell it to China. China would make the products and then sell them back to Kazakhstan. But as oil prices started hurting the Kazakh economy, uh, they, they started to look into processing oil for themselves. So they turned to their old pal China for some for some industrial transfer deals. So what that means is basically Kazakhstan is paying China to build the processing capabilities within Kazakhstan, uh, not all of which were in the oil or and gas sector, but that is where Kazakhstan started doing business with China. Basically, hey, China, come over here, build this shit for us. You get, or we get, you know, the factories that we need to start really building a more booming economy outside of just the oil sector. And you get to, you know, ship your, uh, your labor over here that you can't find anything else to do with in China, which we see in Africa and various places throughout the world when it comes to China. So, uh, as you can see, China also has billions of dollars tied up in Kazakhstan and particularly in their oil and gas sector. And then there's Russia, which just simply has a 4,750-mile border with Kazakhstan. So pretty big border. What I'm getting at here is that all three of these global powers have serious interest in Kazakhstan. So when the, when the Kazakh president comes out and says that, that, that this was a coup attempt, what's interesting is I don't think we can necessarily know who is responsible because geopolitically, Kazakhstan seemingly has done a pretty goddamn good job of keeping all three of the world powers somehow in its back pocket. So yeah. who's responsible? Now, what we know, and you you had, you dug this up yesterday, Corey, was that is that Russia they seem to trust Russia more militarily. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. One is that it seems that China doesn't necessarily have the military the, 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 the military capabilities to be able to defend anything outside of China, which is kind of good news geopolitically for the United States. For now. Yeah, for now. Um, but not only that, but the Kazakh people don't seem to trust China because there are a lot of Uyghur Muslims in mm -hmm. Kazakhstan. <clears throat> yep. And there's 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 a decent Kazakh population in China as well. So Kazakhstan doesn't necessarily trust China. At least maybe their government does, but their people don't. And geopolitically, right. Kazakhstan's done a really good job so far. I'm actually just doing this digging in the last couple of days. I'm actually kind of impressed with this country. <laughs> the way they've been able to, yeah, yeah. to 
you navigate the uh, the turbulent waters of the three big powers of just being stuck in the middle. So I think and, what I would say, go oh, go ahead if you have more to say. And I, yeah, I was just gonna say, and it's just it's interesting how they haven't been fucked with too much, like a Ukraine or any of those other countries, because of where they're at. But what's interesting about this is how the response from Russia when it came to a place like uh, Kazakhstan versus Ukraine, which I think solidifies actually our, when we were talking in a couple episodes ago, how when America and the West was like meddling in Ukraine, Russia just went to the border because they don't want Ukraine. There ain't shit in Ukraine for them. It's a, it's the worst country in the year in, in all of Europe. You know, it's corrupt as shit. It's poor. It's not, it, the infrastructure is terrible. Like it's just, it's not a very, it, the country is not a very good feat right now. Kazakhstan has a civil unrest like Ukraine did. They call Russia for help. Russia was there essentially like the next day, like within hours, they had troops heading into Kazakhstan to like sit there and actually like straight up, like protect it and be like, hey, none, none of you pulling this shit. Yeah, and that's what I was just gonna say. So it's it's interesting. Of uh... yeah, it, well, what's interesting to me is like, okay, so it makes total sense that the Kazakh president would come on and say that this was a coup attempt, but by whom? That's that's whom? that's what's interesting. Is is you could see why the United States would want to do it. You, you can, can see why Russia would want to do it. You can see why the Chinese would want to do it. You can see why the Chinese would want to do it. So is even this... though I don't think Russia would. Because I don't know if they want to have a destabilized country. That would be a, vac- a power vacuum right on their border. Well, to like, make if anything th- they want is stable. To make things even more interesting, and, and I, I forgot the name of it. It's it's a, it's a strange it's a strange uh, political party. But uh, I it, we, when we were doing our show prep last night, Corey, I looked up the party in power uh, in in Kazakhstan. It's been in power since 1999, and what was interesting is we could not decipher what their political leanings are because they had absorbed parties that would be considered leftist that or, or left leaning or leftist but they also had a good relationship with the United States United States which historically Typically has never works with a leftist government yeah has has overthrown so many leftist governments even though you know the republicans in this country like to say that you know the Democratic Party is socialist. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, <laughs> and 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 it's just it's just it's so interesting the way that geopolitically the way that Kazakhstan has just been able to navigate this. It's almost like are they just playing all three of these countries right now? Like is this poor little nation that's and, and it's not super poor. It's like I said, it's the it's the uh, it's the number one economy in Central Asia. But I mean, we're talking that's relatively speaking globally, correct? So yeah, yeah it's so this the bar is pretty low. Yeah, this little this little country is just. I think it's. I think it might just be playing all three countries because I'm. I was sitting here just. I was trying to figure out who has the most incentive to employ a coup in Kazakhstan, and I can't figure it out. I mean, I don't like you said. I don't think it's Russia. It's got to either be the United States or China, but it's if really- it is, it could have just been a straight up uh, little coup thing. I mean, it could have just been on a. Uh, I mean, maybe this is one of the little tactics that Kazakhstan does to make sure it stays 
it's little in its little nest egg, little area. Yeah, so like, maybe maybe it's like, all right, hey Russia, can you are you still willing to just give us some troops? You just you throw us a bone here for a minute? Oh yeah, sure, we'll throw you a bone. All right, cool. yeah, yeah, all right, exactly. Cool. Yes, that's right. Like, maybe there actually was just an in-house thing happening, and they were like, nope. All right, cool. Come help us. So now we know. Okay, cool. Rush is still good. Hey, China, we still good for the... You, you still going to come help help us build some shit? Okay, cool. We're good with China. Uh, United States, you just going to make sure that nothing weird's going on here? Okay, good. All right, so everybody's good. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> and much. And then it's just going to go away. Yeah. And, yeah, and like <laughs> that's just silly. it. It's not, like, it's not like Crimea or anything like that where the Russians invaded. They asked. Mm-hmm. They're like... Please send some troops here. And and the other thing that's interesting about this is that it seems as if China still, or I'm sorry, Russia still has the the military force in the region over China, right? Because everybody's worried about China. Yeah, but I yeah, have my yeah, own yeah. theory. Kind of solidified that between Crimea and all that. Russia still has one of the biggest ground armies in the world, and that's another reason why I talk about how the whole Ukraine thing. Like America's not going to get into a ground war with Russia. We have like our troops aren't don't I don't even know if I don't think they train anymore for ground war. It's all spec ops and high tech weaponry and little platoons and things like that. And we don't have mass offensive ground like strategy that we've been practicing for a while. And what I find interesting is uh I don't think that's I don't think it. I don't think that is something that is uh, lost on China either, right? Like I, I think when we see that and we go, all right, so Russia still has the ground force, you know, military control over the region. That doesn't make me feel any more secure about China because China, I think, has this idea of where warfare is going, which is more cyber. You know, it's more, which is kind of the same thing we're doing. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's almost like Russia's kind of st- a little bit stuck in the past, maybe, even though, you know, they lost the election. But they would still fuck someone up. <laughs> they, they lost the election for Hillary Clinton, too. So they, I mean, that's that's like uh, North Korea, even who's even behind them. But they have, what is it, like uh, a couple of thousand just AA guns just pointed at South Korea that, like, if they did go to war, like, millions of South Koreans would still die and they don't even have technically nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah. So Kazakhstan's super interesting and I think it's something I'll keep an eye on. I'll keep an eye on. I, lo- I love the publication over at the Gray Zone. Shout out to the Gray Zone. Uh, they do They do a wonderful job with stories like this. Uh, and They do. They they do a good deep dive into foreign policy stuff. We'll keep, we'll keep an eye on it, but like I, I'm sort of getting this like weird cynical idea that this is just Kazakhstan's way of like all right, so people were pissed about gas prices. They protested. Let's use this to our advantage and make sure we're still okay with the three global superpowers. Right? Yeah, Total I don't know, speculation like, on my part. Total speculation. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, we we talk a lot about different countries and how America does metal, and there's coup attempts and stuff like that, but not every single thing of unrest is going to be the American government. Yeah, of course. And this one, I don't think... I can understand Ukraine... It's next to the EU. You're going to disrupt uh, Russia's um, logistics of trying to make money. Like you're going to mess up mess up their economy with the uh, the pipeline that Germany is supposed to be getting from them. There's a lot more incentive to mess with Ukraine for them. Kazakhstan, not really. 
there's you know it's surrounded it's all by itself there's we don't really have any allies next i mean the to only it. thing is afghanistan the only thing is those oil reserves yeah it's the only thing and a de- and at the same time though a destabilized country makes everyone else take a step back and have to worry about that shit and it affects their progress and moving forward and their own little ventures but yeah i don't know i'm kind of on the fence on this one i don't know if america had anything to do with this one and i'm super skeptical of our government 100 we talked we just talked about nicaragua a couple episodes back where they uh that was absolutely the government fucking with them the stuff in ukraine that's the government fucking with them haiti in 2011 uh clinton was down there fucking with them stifling wages for low-wage workers like we do it we're not saying we don't but Kazakhstan, I'm not sure. We might need some more cards to fall on the ground before we see it. Like you got like there's different little breadcrumbs and bread trails you can look for. And like the coup group that was trying to take over was like a left-leaning group. That's not America's that's not America's playbook. So yeah, it's it's interesting. It is an interesting one. So, uh shall we get into positive news before we get into your uh, monologue? We're, we're an hour in here, Corey. Yeah, or do you want to talk about, uh, here you go, see the ticker? Oh, sad boy, Patton Oswald. Real quick, <laughs> real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. How how woke, how woke is too woke? How woke is too, too woke is when you take to Twitter and you apologize for being friends with someone. <laughs> Which is exactly what but Patton Oswalt to be did. friends with them, but then like basically just say your friend's an idiot and you're working on them. I'm trying to help him. I'm trying to help. Look, Pat Oswald uh, took pictures and he, he took to Instagram taking pictures with with Dave Chappelle, and then took a bunch of shit for it and proceeded to write a goddamn Bible. <laughs> posted a picture of him writing it. Yeah. Uh, what do you Instagram. think? What was playing in those uh, headphones as he was writing that? Hello. It's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't be perfect. Because <laughs> it's just too late. <laughs> and you can't go back. Little rapper's delight. <laughs> no, this is what I was playing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably exactly what was playing over And then and when over he was again. done... I love that song. Look, I, I, I like Patton Oswald, but I cannot believe he apologized for taking a picture with Dave Chappelle. Like, regardless, because here's the thing, and here's because here's what upsets me about it. It's like, even if you're one of these people that truly believes Dave Chappelle is a transphobe, truly believes he's this, this horrible, disgusting piece of shit, right? Which is like 12 people in all actuality. <laughs> oh there he is right there. there he is writing it he's got his hand over his mouth like, on a, oh on a yellow legal pad by the way <laughs> just writing even even if you're one of these people that thinks dave Chappelle is a complete piece of shit do you really believe he's just not allowed to have friends like he just <laughs> he just can't have friends and anybody that's friends with him we need to dox them 
and throw them in the garbage. And and the thing that upset me most about about Patton Oswalt, and look, this is just I'm just upset with Patton's actions. I really don't have an issue with Patton Oswalt. I just, no, he's actually like really really nice and he's a, yeah. he's a very well intentioned type guy. It's just like what are you doing, dude? I just completely <laughs> I just completely disagree with what he did and and why he did it. He he, he did it to save face. Like it's kind of gross that he did it for himself. You know what I mean? Like that his own you know, ego was more important to him than, you know, actually being friends with a, a friend that I believe he admitted he'd been friends with for what, 30 years is what he said. I'm sorry for being friends with this person for 34 years, but I'm going to keep being their friend. Basically. Yeah. Is what he said. And, and so I, I don't, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I, I just, wonder what, did Dave Chappelle even say anything back to him? Probably not. He, did he write an essay? I, di- I didn't see it. No, like, like this, <laughs> but is that something you really want to see? Do you really see like an Instagram war between Dave Chappelle and Patton Oswalt? Like the world I'm is just over. Saying sorry to each other. <laughs> the, the world it's is like the saddest. This is the saddest <laughs> fucking Instagram Twitter feud I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> just I. Do you think that picture that was taken was organic, or was he like, all right, all right, take it now? <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who took okay, the just photo. Sit down, was, it Dave, was it do you think Dave Chappelle took the photo? <laughs> that would be beautiful. If we, it would be. If we figured out that's what it was. But like Pat Oswald said some things about like being in disagreement about trans rights and whatever, and it's like, no, you're not. Like watch Dave's special. Like he's not he's not anti trans at all. It's, right. It's, it's, yeah, it's people who just haven't seen it. It's like when people are talking about uh Robert Malone. They didn't watch the uh interview with joe rogan they're just talking about the regurgitated talking points oh god david pacman what a hell oh yeah oh that mass formation psychosis oh my god i love how he mentioned that and that's what's happening right and like it could be a new coin term i don't think now if there's a medical term if it's an actual medical term or anything but like the three words put together and saying make sense that's what words do and everyone is falling into this what he would coin mass formation psychosis to call out the rights mass formation psychosis and it's like you're not seeing the forest through the trees here both sides do it oh dude it's just what mass formation psychosis is now been a a a phrase that and and we we've talked about this a million times the right does this very very well they have adopted that now as a catchphrase mm-hmm. because what they do is they pay attention to what the left is saying and what they don't like and they just adopt it and they just bring it just into their phone the libs yeah even 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 if they don't like like that's what's happened with people like Barry Weiss that's what's happened with people like Joe Rogan that's what's happened with 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 various other people that are not necessarily oh, yeah. right-wing people they're not right-wing people at all Joe Rogan's he he's a self-proclaimed leftist Cal Ritt, like like Cal Rittenhouse, he was just adopted by the right, and then he's yep. talking to Tucker Carlson on TV, and he's like, "Yeah, I like BLM. The, I like Kobe Bryant, like <laughs> or LeBron James, yeah, the, or LeBron the, James. The, sorry, yeah. The, the the right does a really good job, and the left, it sucks. The left falls for it every single time. So now they 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 look at something like mass uh, mass formation psychosis, and they go, "Well, that's just that's just a right wing talking point. Now we just." Never mind what right. it actually means. Or that it actually has merit in <laughs> yes. regards to both sides and their party over country 
echo chamber bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little chambers that they locked themselves in. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like if you Google what is mass formation psychosis, the first thing I just Google. I'm actually I'm not going to duck duck go it. I'm actually going to Google it. Let's see what comes up when I Google when I Google mass formation psychosis. Oh, it's just gonna be a bunch of bullshit about I Robert can Malone. Probably promise you that's what it's gonna be. Mass formation psychosis. Here we go. Oh, COVID is included in that in that in that little phrase. Sounds uh, about right. So what's the first thing that comes up? Forbes magazine. What is mass formation psychosis? Oh, I read that article. Robert Malone makes. Oh man, that's that opinion. Oh my god, I read that one. And it's like a scientist all... made unfounded COVID-19 mass information psychosis claims. That's from the Business Insider. Uh, what is mass formation psychosis? It's like mass hysteria. That's from Nepsy. Joe Rogan, mass formation psychosis, and why people really believe unscientific things. <laughs> that's, that's from The Independent. <laughs> it's like, nobody cares what it actually means. It's it's a right-wing thing, so that's... And what's even more hilarious it about it is it's... So, like, just recently, because we talk about how crazy Marjorie Taylor Greene is, uh, she was on Tim Pool's podcast for two hours. So, I listened to it just because I wanted to hear how batshit crazy she was. So and, you know. did I. Yeah, and she is, she's, that poor girl, she's a dummy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say and, this. Can I, can I just say one thing real quick? When she speaks in a long-form conversation, she definitely sounds more sane. Yeah. Sane. She's not nearly as crazy as the left tries to paint her, but she's just. An idiot. An yeah. absolute idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't find it to confirm it, but there was one thing, like, she kept saying these wrong, like, numbers. She was pretending to know things that she didn't. You could tell they were, like, trying to help her out with some stuff. But uh, there was one thing that she said that if it's true and she really does this, then I think she does deserve a seat in the representatives because a lot of these committees, they do roll call votes. Or they don't do roll call votes. They just ask the committee how they should vote on it, and they vote on it. And what she was doing is she wanted she keeps going in there and shaking cages saying, I want all the votes on record. And so they have to bring everyone in to vote. And if she's making everyone vote on everything and being a thorn in everyone's side and making everyone vote on record, then you know what? We do need that in the House of Representatives. I just wish it was somebody else. <laughs> and not this girl that's just batshit. Almost crazy. anybody else, save for Lauren Bobert. <laughs> Lauren Bobert. Lauren Bobert. But, uh, but yeah, going right back to what the mass formation psychosis thing, it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's just these things that they all fall for, and it's absolutely insane. But, oh, that's what I was going to say. So, everyone freaking out about this Dr. Robert Malone guy on the Joe Rogan show, it's only going to make a shit ton more people go and watch the Dude, fucking podcast. That's, that's what, that's what the, the, this is where the left gets it wrong. This is where they always, this is where they fuck up, and I'm glad they fuck up this way. And this is somebody who I consider myself a leftist. I'm a Jimmy Dore leftist. What do you want out of me? Yeah, the leftist made me listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene talk for two hours, and there was no substance right. that I it gathered makes from me, it. It makes me more interested when I, when I hear these, oh, you, you can't have this person on. 
you can't talk to this person. Nobody should ever talk to this person. I really, really want to hear what that person has to say. And yeah. I feel like that's human nature, Corey. I feel like it's it's like it's like that it's like that thing you're not supposed to have. It's that extra piece of chocolate cake after dinner. Yeah, when you I was sneak thinking in the about fridge. that today too. Actually, like when someone tells me or someone makes the decision for me if someone should be censored, and I can't listen to them. I want to hear more. That, and not only that, what they're what I feel like they're really telling me is I'm too dumb to make my own decision. Yeah. And what they're saying that they have to be the gatekeeper and they have to keep it and protect it to keep my fragile brain from making decisions. And it's like, I'm a fucking adult. I can make decisions on my own. I can decide if these people are stupid or not. I just listened to Marjorie Taylor Greene talk for two hours. Guess what? I didn't learn shit. <laughs> yeah, you did. You learned that. Okay. It's confirmed. She is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I learned that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is she this crazy person? I don't think so. She owned a small business in Georgia. She was sick and tired of Republicans and Democrats. And so she went and she joined. She was on there dog-shitting Republicans the whole time. Yeah, well, what about the QAnon thing, Corey? Like I said, she's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very fair. (laughs) Um, All right. What do we have? We have some positivity, right? Yeah, mRNA cancer research. Well, not even just cancer research at this point, because we, Corey and I have like, we've shit on the vaccines a lot. Not the actual vaccines themselves, but the mandates and the way they're portrayed. And uh, the, the, the issue that I have is like, I figured it out today, Corey, when it comes to the vaccines. I figured out why I'm so fucking tired of talking about them. And it's that we can't even decide what the vaccines working actually is right like that's the problem because you'll have you'll have the the, the people the, the lockdown people on the far left go uh the vaccines work and you'll have the people on the far right go they don't work at all and what's what's stupid is that totally depends on the context what are you actually Always talking about something right in the middle a little bit like, so do they work? So, yes, kind of. They keep people out of hospitals, but but go that's ahead. that's <laughs> that's not that's not part of the argument because it's like okay, so what does what does what does what are these vaccines working? What does it mean? If it means um, what we were originally told, which is that you were like ninety five percent protected against infection, and I'm talking originally, like when mm-hmm. we all got our first shot back in. February or January of 2021, or maybe March or April, whatever. Uh, it, it completely protects you from getting uh, infected or, or any illness. If that's what working means, then guess what? The vaccines don't work. Um, yeah, the if goalposts it, got moved. Yeah, if it means uh, that it prevents you from spreading COVID, guess what? The vaccines don't work. Um, if it means... You 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 are much better protected against severe severe, infection. Ill, severe illness, hospitalization, and death. Then guess what? The vaccines do work. So it always depends with the argument what context you're talking about working is, and everybody's different. And you're never it's a zero sum game. You're never going to win the argument because everybody's wrong and everybody's right at the same time. Maybe that's what we should just start doing to people. Like when people say one or the other that the vaccines work or the vaccines don't work, just look at them and go, in what context? In what context? In what context are you referring to? And that's what makes <laughs> that's what frustrates me so much about the argument is like we just It's binary. We can't 
agree on what working actually means. So what are we even talking about? But we and, and so we Corey and I have we've kind of shit on the vaccines and the and the the talk about the vaccines in that context. We yeah we've more or less shit on the binary arguments. oversimplified arguments of it and the mandates. And of course, we the know mandates. that they work. They keep people out of the hospital. So we wanted to talk about ways in which mRNA technology is good. Spread and positivity, right? We we have issues, or we have uh, we have ways in which mRNA research has shown to uh, reduce the reproduction of cancer cells, proteins, and protein. I think they're called. I think it's kinases. I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly. Propagate signals that carry instructions to the cells and dictate cell fate. Uh, there are more than uh, 500 different kinases in the human body. With cancer, a kinase erroneously tells the cells to divide and and reproduce in a rapid and uncontrollable manner. But the flip side is also true. If a kinase can be inhibited, it should block the proliferation of cancer cells. So basically what that means is that an mRNA can make it extraordinarily difficult for cancer cells to replicate based on some of these studies. Mm -hmm. So it's not that mRNA technology is bad. It's not that the... uh, uh, Vaccines work or don't work, but what we will say in our positive news of the week, spreading positivity, uh, we do understand that mRNA technology is huge. And I think even somebody like Dr. Robert Malone, the uh, horrible anti-vaxxer. Oh, he'd uh, agree with us on this stuff. 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to backpedal it a little bit for you because this is actually something that I've been following for a couple of years. There's actually a really good podcast. I'll have to send it to you by Radiolab. And then it's called CRISPR. And so CRISPR is like what mRNA is based on. And what it stands for is clustered, regularly interspaced, short palodromic repeats. And so what these scientists found, which has led to mRNA, this mRNA technology, is picture with me, if you will. You know when you write HTML and yeah. when you finish code, you put like the little arrow signs, like the greater or less than signs. You finish your piece of code and it's in that bracket and then there's another bracket. So picture your DNA, something like that. And now where those two arrows from the brackets meet, that's a spot right there that you can you know, put something in. You can insert something new. So they found that our DNA is written similarly like this. And when they found this, they realized that they could put in and take things out of the DNA in these spots with the mRNA to modify genome sequencing. And they found this out from simple bacteria because some bacteria was surviving like a virus attack. And when this happens, they take a part of that virus, they wrap it, they chop it up, take the piece of it that hurts them, and then they store it in their own DNA. Mm. And so... We have found a way to replicate that and and do that. And in doing this, we go back to what you were saying about being able to possibly inhibit cancer cells. Um, there's gene therapy uh, that's closing in on a cure for sickle cell disease for black people. Now I say black people because sickle cell anemia is something that really only affects black people. Mm-hmm. Um, they have helped it with uh, genetic blindness. It's been used in that. And even it's even inhibited AIDS by a doctor in China. And so they're using this mRNA that no one's talking about because it's all about the vaccines, all about the vaccines. But the science of what it was intended for is making 
great, great advancements in situations that we might see the cure to a lot of stuff in our lifetime, Dan. So I don't imagine it. I don't Go mean, ahead. I don't mean to, uh, 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 throw a, a monkey wrench in the uh, engine of the positivity here, but all that came to my mind was follow the money, right? So yeah, the vaccine, yeah, so the vaccine makes a lot of money easily be tarnished by money. And what have we always heard? Money's not in a cure. Money's right. in medicine. Yeah. So Money's why, in- so, so why are, why are, uh, these vaccines that, you know, relatively speaking or relatively not speaking, work or don't work. I'm tired of even talking about that word. Uh, may work, maybe don't work, maybe don't work the way we thought. All we hear about is that and all the money that goes into that. But when the same technology could be used to cure things, what do we hear? Radio silence. We don't want cures. We want medicine. Yeah, yeah you just get to, you get to like find it in like science magazines and stuff. Um, but like, I read a story that they could do something like and malaria with it. And that, and this is interesting because you wouldn't even be getting into the humans with the MRNA. You would put it in mosquitoes. mosquitoes. Yeah. I heard and that. And then you would just keep dumping these mosquitoes into the environment. And then eventually they would breed with other mosquitoes. And then mosquitoes just can't carry malaria anymore. And things like this would save millions and millions and millions of lives. Now the flip side of it is that we get to play God. If you get really good at this, you can start making designer babies, and that scares the shit out of me because that makes me and you obsolete. I want a white LeBron James. That's what I want. Well, Why's baby be white? Well, because my girlfriend's white and I'm white. So you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. That wasn't woke of me. Just because you're both white doesn't mean you have to have a white baby. Oh, you were saying for a baby, I'm picturing a full size LeBron James. Like an albino LeBron James. I'm like, why? Like, what What would that do to further this society? I'm talking about if I had a baby, I would want a white LeBron James. <laughs> That's why it makes sense when you're like, because I'm white and my wife's white. And then I went to some weird like, cuck scenario and I'm like, what? I was completely lost on that. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> Uh, okay, just sit down, please. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. That's enough. Put down the mic, baby. <laughs> yes, that's what I. That's what I was getting at. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's fine. You could do that. I just made years. a lot of woke people mad. Now nah, we fixed it. We 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 understood what we're doing here now. <laughs> I'm like I'm not woke. But I'm just picturing like why does he want an albino LeBron James walking around? <laughs> you are a rude terrible person you shouldn't be working only with only with a full head of hair (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if there's any pictures of an albino lebron james oh there's gotta be if there is we gotta make it our show photo (laughs) just (laughs) listen to libservative (laughs) like what the fuck is this (laughs) this has got to be some white supremacy shit right here (laughs) that's funny so I think we have all of our tickers covered, huh? I think we're good, man. If you want to go ahead and start with that uh that monologue. It's interesting though, uh what monologue is leading into because we're talking about the vaccine. <coughs> Clear, that throat. Clear that throat. I'm ready for you. Uh I have this one titled Convenience. There's an old NyQuil commercial, maybe fifteen to twenty years old. 
The scene is a guy who is sick as hell from the cold, coughing violently in his sleep. In a snotty slumber, the husband tosses and turns in between choking on his phlegm and brutal hacks. The poor chap wakes his sleeping wife next to him. She jumps out of bed, staring at her husband as if waking her up was the fruition of some diabolical plan. This, um, this imagery flashes across the screen while the narrator's monologue expresses an out-of-date out of date trope along the lines of, If you use Alka-Seltzer Plus, then you might just find yourself on the couch. Make sure to take NyQuil. Take NyQuil. Not for your personal health, but to make it more convenient for others. Never mind choking in your sleep. Take this so others don't have to hear it. When COVID hit in 2020, a commercial like this would be uncouth. We're all in this together, and stay safe, stay healthy, and healthcare workers are heroes were mantras that took the world by storm, about as rapidly as the virus itself. We cared about each other's health, not out of convenience, but at a time when everyone was vulnerable to an unknown disease, we were truly all concerned for each other's well-being. Families stocked up on supplies and huddled in their homes waiting out the storm known as Corona. We all shared health tips, asked each other how they were feeling, more both out of consummation and sincere care. Health, both mental and physical, were topics of conversation from the west coast to the east, even on the third coast here in Michigan. A unity solidified by trepidation. Sadly, all good things do come to an end, and like a banana in the sun sitting on the kitchen tablecloth, this solidarity quickly rotted. That was What was left was a stain that everyone was annoyed by but couldn't ignore because no matter what we did, we couldn't eradicate the damn thing. Arguments about the stain caused a crisis in mental health, friendships ended, or friendships ended, divorces, an increase in drug abuse, increase in depression, and tragically even suicides. Soon politics became involved in the stain argument. Who caused the stain? Who put the damn stain out in the sun? Or who put the damn thing out in the sun? Who let it sit there? Who knew it was going to stain? And some, with the stain right in front of them, pretended the stain didn't even exist. Maybe out of arrogance? Maybe out of fear? Either way, none of these arguments led to a legitimate answer of how to remove the damn stain. A whiplash of two years later, and human nature has trumped empathy. We're back on the convenience train again, exhausted by the monotony of the new, same old, same old, similar to the ones who've ignored the virus in an attempt to wish it away, to just be done with it, and some just want everyone to get vaccinated, mandated if necessary, so they can be done with it, all this mess in a seemingly more tangible way. Both are out of selfish convenience. Both are tired of this new normal, and rightfully so. Convenience. It's ingrained in us in a 24-hour delivery, fast food, and fast internet society. If it takes too long, we want a manager. If it's too much of a hassle, we outsource. We inherently have always attempted the path of least resistance. With a quick fix attitude towards an inconvenient obstacle, it has become blatantly obvious that we no longer care about individuals' rights, individuals' health, or their personal convictions, fears, or principles. This path of convenience is less of water carving the easiest path in the earth on its quest for the ocean and more of a Donner Party trying to save a few weeks of travel time. If you didn't know, the Donner Party is a family that took a heedless shortcut on the Oregon Trail to save a few weeks of travel time, only to be caught in the mountains for a few months with no food or water. The Donner family ended up in a tragic cannibalistic nightmare that only left a few shivering, frail, mentally distraught, dribbling survivors. There's talk of not allowing vax to work, receive health care, enjoy society, or rely on government institutions for programs like unemployment. All for convenience. 
Why convince people to get the healthcare they need and encourage a healthy lifestyle when we can just remove the choice and just force it on people? What happened to, we're all in this together, or my body, my choice? We're in a bad place where we are attempting to set precedents that could have everlasting implications out of convenience. We are ignoring our neighbors' concerns and apprehensions out of convenience. We're giving up personal freedom and liberty out of convenience. Here's some NyQuil. Now shut the fuck up so I can get sleep sleep in peace. And so basically, I was just thinking how it's a, it seems like so much of this is just coming down to convenience. And it's just like... Do you mean well, like do you mean like we the, don't have to convince people and argue with people and try to show them the science that the that the uh, vaccines don't have microchips in them and that they might actually help you from over a hospitalization? Just shut up and get jabbed because you don't have a choice. Yeah, it's like shut up and get jabbed so I can get my life back to normal. But it's like exactly. why it's why, out of selfishness. Yeah, why does it, that's because that's what almost they all say. I just want to get back to normal. Just get the jab. Fuck you. What if that? What like you don't give a shit about that person? That's selfish. And the two have nothing to do with each other. There's no reason we can't get back to normal. Look, we see uh, Omicron running rampant, and hospital uh, cases actually haven't gone up. I mean, the hospital cases are going up, I guess, based on the number of people. I have to look at the data again because for a while there, hospitalizations weren't going up, but I think they are starting to tick up now. I mean, per per capita, they're not. They can't be. They be every dude. Everybody has COVID right now. Everybody. It seems like everybody in the whole country has in a country right that's seventy percent vaccinated, and we have the most COVID, the most COVID numbers we've ever had, and the country's seventy percent vaccinated. How does that happen, Dan? Because relatively speaking, the vaccines don't work. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Well, that, that just goes back to our conversation of what does work What mean. does working mean? Yeah. Because obviously, you know what? Okay, the data. If the hospitalizations per capita aren't skyrocketing like they did in previous times, then that's just proof with a 70% vaccinated uh, population, vaccines do work. Yeah. Go get it if you want it. Go get it if you want it. If you want it. Stop if you feel vulnerable. Me. If you have any immune deficiencies, if you have any sort of health issues. Get the damn vaccine, hey, dude. It's the it's. The, I can't believe that we're this far into it, and it, we we still have the murderer narrative going on. If you don't get vaccinated, you're a murderer. <laughs> I guess I can't even believe that's still something that's being said. Something still something like if you Stupid. you you heard about Novak Djokovic, right? Uh uh-uh. the 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 star tennis player, right? So the Australian Open takes place around this time of year every year. It's always yes, the first I did hear of him. the first major tournament, uh, and he's not vaccinated, and he was uh. They were not going to let him compete. They tried to strip his visa once. The uh, A court in Australia said, nope, he gets to compete. And they're still trying to go back and strip his visa again for a second. Why is it so important to you that Novak Djokovic not have a work visa in Australia? Why is it so important? Because he's going to kill the entire Australian population because he's not vaccinated? It's insanity. Yeah, everyone's just... Like it's like like a snowball. Everyone's just ramped up. It's like when you see two people get in a fight, and they're both in each other's faces, just screaming. And at that point, it's like they just neither of them can back down because of their pride and their egos. Dude, if I'm if, here's the thing, if I'm Novak Djokovic, and I appreciate him, like, uh, continuing to try and play in the Australian Open. This dude's the best tennis player in the world. He's Is the best he? tennis player in the world. 
at least left because Federer's old and he's gone. And <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a, he's he's the best in the world. I think he's going for a, his tenth Grand Slam or something like that. And uh, I just be like, fuck you. Like, fine, I'm not playing in this thing because you know what? Australia makes money off of the Australian Open because people come see the players play. Right? That's what it is. That's like any sporting event. Okay, fine. You don't get the best tennis player in the world at this Australian Open. I don't need this. Right. Wait, yeah. wait for the French, wait for Wimbledon, and wait for the U.S. Open. I don't need this. I don't need you. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, credit to him because, like, he's like, fuck you, I'm playing. Yeah, he wants to play tennis. He's a tennis player. <laughs> it's it's just, I can't, it's just, it's crazy. Australia it has lost it. I have no interest to ever go there. <laughs> ever. Since we're on sports, actually, did you hear about Lidstrom? Yeah, Nick Lidstrom is uh, vice president of hockey operations here for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, I figured you might be excited about that. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. I, when I saw that, I'm like, well, I'm gonna mention this to Dan. I'm sure he's already heard it. That's but. pretty damn cool. I dig yeah, it. That's a, yeah. They got the whole back to back Stanley Cup team. Well, not the whole team, but like two of the biggest players. <laughs> Wait, Lidstrom played for '97, '98, right? Oh yeah, he's been here since he was here since '91. Yeah, Lidstrom and Eiserman. And anybody outside of Detroit storm. doesn't give up. Fuck what we're talking no, about. No, they're right probably now. pissed because they know <laughs> Red Wings. Nobody watches hockey. <coughs> they're probably pissed because they know the Red Wings are probably making moves to be back on top again. Ooh, no. Then they make the then they have the record for the most consecutive years in the playoff. Yeah. Twenty years. Hockey town, baby. <laughs> we're back. I think that's all we have, Corey Walsh. I think it is. If you've enjoyed the show and you want to hear more. Follow us and like us on all of our social media platforms. We're at Libservative Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are Libservative on Facebook. We have a WordPress where you can hear our, where you can read our monologues. We have transcripts, and that's at uh, LibservativePodcast.wordpress.com. We are on Twitch at Libservative Pod. We are on YouTube now. We just started uploading our videos on YouTube. Like, follow, and share. You can find us on all of your podcast platforms. And if you like what you hear, just tell a friend where you heard it. Very good. And until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. And he has been Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative, and we are out of here. Oh, 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 oh,